weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And that's the field for uh, the first leg of the late pick four at Fairgrounds. This is the Magic Mike Show. Off to a great start. Listen, uh, when you're you're forced to scramble because the, the corporate overlords are sitting there hogging your airtime, uh, you get a little frazzled. But hey, speaking of frazzled, some of us have got a, a little bit of a pricey sweat going to Gulfstream right now, Mr. Samich. Yeah, we uh, did good chalk, bad chalk today from uh, from 3 to 4 Eastern and uh, gave out three winners on top. And as, as most people know, I bet my tickets and my picks. Uh, so I uh, I may be alive to, to a couple breast pick fours and pick fives here. So got about a $15,000 sweat going down in about eight minutes. So we're, uh, we'll be rooting for the seven in the last at Gulfstream Park. A nice little four to one price if anyone wants to get involved. The one also would not suck. Also four to one. So I'm, I'll be on the seven or the one and hopefully we can get one of them home. That's race nine, uh, seven minutes to post right now at Gulfstream Park. And uh, I still, I don't miss the days, Mike, when it was seven minutes to post and you still haven't even seen the saddles on the horses at Gulfstream. So <laughs> at least nice that they've been, they've held to keeping that. They've been trying that uh, for a long time. But hey, we're excited that you guys are here. We're talking about the late pick four sequence Saturday at Fairgrounds. It's an all graded stake sequence, but also because it's chalky. Mike had this great idea last show. Uh, we're, we've got a couple of long shots or longer priced horses on, earlier on the card. So even if it's super chalky late and you're going to press your opinions in the pick four sequence here, I've got some price horses early if you want to take a dabble. So I'm excited to talk about that with you, Mike. Me too, man. I love this, the chat too. We got a bunch of people who are on this seven horse because oh, they watched. Right $10 pick four. Let's go out. So let's get this puppy home. It's like two grand or so, something like that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. This is going to be a chalky sequence. So we'll, we'll, I think, I have a $2 and $5 ticket. Magic's got a dollar ticket. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we're going to talk about some of the rest of the card here. The takeout's not great as well. So you really got to hammer this thing if you're, if you're going after it. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to talking some more, baby. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, I would say that there's two races where uh, I'm using a horse or two where I'm, I'm really just making a case, trying to make a case for if a heavy favorite doesn't win, what could happen there. So uh, if, if you don't agree with that with me, totally fine. You know, I think that ends up being it's an $8 ticket if you played it for yeah. 50 cents otherwise. So, uh, good. But, hey, yeah, Alex said uh, that one. Uh, Mark says, we'll all be high from the smell of chalk from the Saturday late pick four sequence. Yeah, it's going to be pretty dusty, buddy. I mean, honestly, there's three horses that are really tough to beat that are going to be short prices. If you've got a big opinion in the turf race, I don't hate the idea of like a $50 pick four year where you're just you're, you're, you're eating chalk in three legs and you have to be right once and you're trying to create a situation where there's the, the value is created around it because you really you, you can't go deep in any leg in this sequence because there's too much of a risk of, of it chalking out. So you have to really narrow it down where you can. And that's I think you're going to see that from our tickets. Uh, for the podcast listeners, we're going to do the late pick four sequence first, and then Mike and I are going to go back and talk about our price plays uh, afterwards. So if you don't care about the late pick four, if you think it's pretty chalky, you just want to hear that, skip ahead, and I'll just, on the podcast version, I'll just throw some music in the background. Uh, skip ahead till you hear music in the background. That's us talking about that. Man, Nick Nick had a roller coaster of a ride. He, he nails the daily double right at the start of the show earlier. Loses one of the most ridiculous photos where I accidentally cheered against him because I was on the horse that, that won the photo um, and then comes back and, and is alive to a nice score here. So hopefully we can we can close this thing out with a seven, Nick, and we can both have a, a hell of a day. 
Uh, speaking of which, thanks for bringing up Nick. I had a note to talk about him later, but let's do it now. Nick uh, hit the pick five, I believe, at Gulfstream on Wednesday. The show that you and I covered uh, yesterday's pick four sequence, which, by the way, if you combine Mike and I's tics, tickets, they, they really weren't that different where you, it wasn't too expensive uh, and it would have hit. Uh, you and I knocked each other out in the middle legs there, but. Um, overall, was a those middle legs were fun because we had three horses and, and agreed on one and were posing with the others. And both times, it was those three horses coming off the turn. It's like either we're both happy or one of us is happy. We'll see what happens here. But it was a fun well, sequence. And, and then, it, like the one in the last leg, thirty to one. You're you, what, the 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 horse that you like. I like them both, right? And then one's rushing, and the one almost the one loses a ridiculous photo, and then the six, a hundred percent should have come down. Now, the one probably should have come down as well. <laughs> Um, when you watch back the replay, the one comes out and it was kind of ridiculous. But yeah, the, the, I read on the six, like there's no chance he should have stayed up. He almost, the seven almost went down because of clipping heels. And the seven then almost won the race, which tells you how loaded the seven was in that whole process and why the six seven, should have yeah. come down. The seven probably wins the race if he doesn't clip so, heels with the six. Um, but the one hell of an effort, 30 to one on the rail there. Uh, both of those horses for David Fox ran, ran their, their hearts out there. And just unfortunately, not even could get it done. Yeah, uh, Alex says, wish they would take an IRAD down yesterday. Uh, as Chris says, basically the chat right now has about a percent of the pot <laughs> in the late pick four at Gulfstream covered. Uh, that's pretty damn awesome. Uh, yeah, I... Nick, This is we're going to come back to this. This is a $100 pick four straight. Proxy Santines, Heco Zulu, and Epicenter. Uh, boy, I mean, that actually will pay pretty damn nicely if you if you beat the favorite in the first two legs there. Yeah, yeah, that, gotta, I, gotta, I think it... The morning line is more correct on Santine this time. Um, so I, I, I think you're gonna get, instead of the 12 to one, that the, the just absolute pipe dream of the 12 to one price the first time out. Proxy, I think, is that's a ballsy picnic. I, I more power to you if you can get Proxy home. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, uh, speaking of Proxy, his race is the first leg of the late pick four sequence. So, Mike, let's get into it. The all grade two stakes late pick four at Fair on the Saturday, March 26th, ending with the Louisiana Derby. Riders up. All-inclusive inside track at the 2022 Louisiana Derby Wagering Guide featuring in-depth analysis of every single stakes on the fairgrounds card, including the $1 million Louisiana Derby, a major prep race for the Kentucky Derby. Win here and you are in. Plus, get race-by-race analysis, betting suggestions, and multi-race plays for the entire card. All wagering guides are included with any monthly subscription to premium picks from the experts at RacingDudes.com. Learn more at RacingDudes.com and remember, never play a big day without visiting the Racing Dudes first. Here we go. Kicking off the grade two, all stakes, all grade two stakes, late pick four at Fairgrounds on Saturday, March 26th. Race nine is the New Orleans Classic. This is a mile dirt route attracting just six runners, largely because of the two horse Olympiad. Your eight to five favorite, uh, eight to five. That might be a little bit of a pipe dream here. It seems like, at least on paper, they're all running for a second behind him, right? Yeah, the problem here, and we talk about this a lot, when, when you have a horse that is the best horse in the race, which I think we can all agree Olympiad is probably the best horse in this race, at least has the best numbers as of yet, who also has a pace edge. That's a problem. Like when, when, when it's five speed horses in a closer and the closer is the best horse, that's a problem. When there's one speed 
and that's the best horse, that's a problem. Especially on a track that's not that easy to always pass people coming down the lane. Uh, I think Olympiad is going to be really tough here. Anything over even money, I think, is pretty much a gift. I'm going to start out with a single and the $5 ticket. Um, Olympiad's my top pick. I'd love to find a way to get around him. I think it's important to kind of talk through some of these because you have interesting horses in here. I mean, you have horses like Proxy, had a ton of success here at Fairgrounds, coming back. Uh, is this going to be the first start as a four-year-old? Logical improvement angle. So I, you could make an argument the horse is going to take a step forward. Um, you know, Promise Keeper, second out as a three-year-old, or second out as a four-year-old, another logical step forward spot. So there are some interesting horses here. I just, if if anyone could press Olympia, I would try and beat this horse. I'm afraid no one can be out there with him. What about Promise Keeper? Forget the uh, Razorback handicap. Forget the Razorback handicap. He blew the start with a complete trash. If you look at his splits, he actually ran a faster opening quarter and half in the grade three Ohio Derby as a three-year-old than Olympiad was running in either the grade three mineshaft or the other race before that. Both of those being his only two times going two turns. Promise Keeper could be faster. He's drawn inside. At the very least, I think he keeps up. I actually singled Promise Keeper here. I'm against Olympiad and I'm going to single Promise Keeper. Well, I, I used to. I used Promise Keeper and Olympiad in my $2 ticket. Here's the problem. Oh. Here's here's the problem with how Promise – like, so let's say Promise Keeper's faster. Olympiad, the last two races, has stalked in second and won easily. Like, it's true. So it's not like you're going to take him out of your game if you outbreak him. If you let him go, it's over. If you outbreak him and he sits in second, then it's just who's the better horse, and I'm afraid it's probably still Olympiad. And that's, that's why it's so tough here. Now – I don't like, look, I think Promise Keeper is the horse that can beat him. It's a son of Constitution, Todd Pletcher, second as a four year old, logical improvement, showed a ton of talent early in his career in his three year old season. Like, if you're going to take a swing, I think it's the one. I just think it's a tough spot to take a swing. Um, I, it, listen, it, I also didn't want to just play Olympiad single because I was like, I got to try and beat some of these goddamn favorites. And I think that this is the one, if, if out of the three dirt races, if I was going to pick one favorite that I was like, I'm going to fully be against you and feel the most comfortable, it's Olympiad. 100% agree, but I disagree with the mentality. Like, sometimes you just got to eat the chalk, right? <laughs> you don't have to sure. beat one of, you don't have to beat one of the favorites. Sometimes the favorites win. Actually, about 33% of the time, the favorites win. I, they're like I, I love beating favorites, but I, sometimes you just got to eat the chalk, and that's that's like that's why I said a hundred dollar ticket, forty dollar ticket, whatever you want to do. I think we're gonna agree on the last two legs. Like so, it's it's this leg, and to me, it's the one of the two, and then it's the next leg. If you can find singles in both of those, that's when I would play just a massive single ticket here. Um, the, uh, so I actually do have reasons for being against Olympia other than he's just as a favorite, but, uh, before we get into that, Mike, they are loading at the ninth. You want to take a quick break and, uh, get to this? Cause now Dave's joining. He also says <laughs> that, uh, great job. He's alive to one, two, seven. It was, it was a, a, a heck of a show, man. We, the, the first one was a $20 winner on top. And so that was kind of nice to start out the pick five with that. And then we beat favorites in the next two legs. Um, man, it would have been, it, it would have been a heck of a, a thing if we could have gotten through the six or the five horse, who was the chalk and the, the, the last, like one to two shot or three to five shot. Uh, then this thing could have paid absolute stacks, but still, I mean, you know, the seven in the pick five, uh, the pick four pays 88 bucks. I, I know a bunch of people have it pressed. It's about a thousand dollars for five. And then, uh, the pick five is paying $800. And, and that one I, I have pressed, I think a couple of people have impressed. So hopefully we can, uh, we can get the seven home here and just, just kind of get her done. Uh, the one horse I do think is really interesting too, was 10 to one morning line got bet down to four to one here. Um, it has tactical speed and it's getting back on the turf for the first time in the five-year-old season, ran the first two on synthetic and showed speed and quit, which we've talked quite a bit here as an angle. I like, uh, 
coming over here. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this goes here. Four goes uh, big early lead there. Big odds at forty to one. Um, probably seems like cheap speed then, based on the fact you didn't use the horse. Yeah, there was not a ton of speed in here. There's a bunch of like Whoops. weaker speed. Now the seven horse is coming off the layoff, but has tactical speed and a bigger kick at the end, and is facing much much weaker today. And um, is sitting in a perfect spot. I, I I don't love the second wide two wide two wide trip. I've talked about that as a trip of death on turf, but um, I, I do think that this is where the seven wants to be. If if the four slows it down, it, this seven could be real real tough if he goes back to any type of form that we've seen in the past. And this is twenty k claimers, non winners of three lifetimes, so not world beaters in the seven taking a class drop like you mentioned. So uh, one of those spots where you definitely want to have horses that are going to be closer to the front if they've got talent like Parkland seems to have. Yep. Oh, and there's and now, wow seven just took uh, took the lead yeah we're just we're gonna take the lead and take the rail here and it's it's the two horse is gonna obviously be your threat he's six to five that's your that's your shortest price the one's having a little bit of trouble on the rail Ooh, yeah gonna get backed up behind the four there so it looks like it's uh it's the seven or it's tears for me here so let's, oh man uh, your one horse has got all sorts of potential and just the worst trip ever stable that one up <laughs> wherever that one horse is come on seven seven's gonna there it is there we're not even gonna this out boom that's what i'm Excellent. talking about baby we don't even need to worry about the last 16th of a mile i was waiting for the over the rails thing to happen again Bam! that's what i'm talking about all congratulations. right that Woo. is awesome congratulations everybody hitting that one uh very exciting man getting to do this live is so much fun we sometimes <laughs> this happens off air uh yeah just keep it going in the uh, chat baby this is fun we don't need to talk about fairgrounds this shit's boring <laughs> that's i'm so happy that all these people had it too because we there was one of those where we i talked about the seven i said it was my best bet on the card in the, the last race and i'm single through it and <laughs> do me a quick favor silence your phone or else nobody's going to hear us the rest of the show because it's going to blow <laughs> the f up uh l- listen real quick i was a kind of a lost momentum on it but basically my point with olympiad is a little bit of a concern uh with a mile and an eighth and being by spitestown uh and also we talked about a couple of times in the show it was brought up last time charles i think charles blaha mentioned it uh junior alvarado maybe he still has the yips was he on the seven there because that'd actually be kind of funny uh, no he was not no he was not nope. seven he wasn't on the seven so yeah maybe you know if junior if you're worried about junior alvarado still having the yips uh you know it's another but really it's just is olympiad is he going to handle a mile and an eighth i know promise keeper can and he's got the higher upside, but listen, it's, it's either one or two. If you're like Nick and you go 100 straight through proxy, uh, good luck and God bless because that's a, not, a, not a fun one. I can't stand that horse. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 proxy, I think, is it's one of those where it's faced weaker. This, this, this field is better than the three-year-olds it was facing. And you see Hot Rod Charlie, yeah. you see Medina Spirit, or Midnight Bourbon, and those horses, and you're like, well, those are good horses, and they are good horses. But Olympiad took a big time step forward as, as like late last year, early this year, elite routing horse now. So uh, I, this is, the, this is a tougher field, I think than what proxy was necessarily expecting to come back against. And I, I wasn't, yeah, baby. <laughs> I love that so many people had this freaking seven. Um, yeah, he did win on Kamal horse, the five horse uh, earlier today. Um, that was meant for IRAD. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I had concern about Olympia going a mile and 16th. Those last two races completely wiped away any concern about distance for this horse for me I, look the, we talk about cruising speed olympiad just has a high cruising speed and like honestly the one thing i hate about olympiad is that i was alive to a bleep load of money when baby yoda beat it and baby yoda should not have beaten olympiad in that first off the off the, off the layoff i mean that that's the one thing i'm mad about olympiad right now 
That's okay. I can't believe how easily that seven won. That it's was okay. Crazy. I feel like the seven <laughs> just kind of made up for that for you. I feel like you can start <laughs> yeah. to heal from that. While Mike puts a little bit of aloe on that burn, uh, second leg of the grade two, all grade two stakes. God, I, I really shouldn't have written that in my notes. That was stupid. The Munez Memorial Classic, nine older males going a mile and eight on the turf course. Two short prices here for Chad Brown. You got Sacred Life, a horse at 2-1, to one, exiting a pretty decent sixth in the grade one Pegasus World Cup turf. And then also Devamani, a horse who was last seen finishing a well-beaten sixth in the grade three Tampa Bay Stakes. So, of course, we're all excited to play him at 5-2, to two, right? <laughs> I mean, this is one of those that, unfortunately, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm excited. He's kind of the best horse, isn't he? Like, this was, this was one of those races Ugh. where I thought, yeah, I don't like the price. I agree with you, but I, I do think Devamani is probably the best horse in this race. I, I, the Tampa race, okay. Look, Cheryl Spite went wire to wire in that race, if I remember correctly, and like that was just one of those spots where no one closed any ground. Tampa Bay is generally a very tough track to close ground on anyway. First off, the layoff, like I'm willing to to make excuses for the three in that last race, just because of how everything how everything played out. I'm sorry, got smoking went almost went wire to wire. Cheryl Spite came from mid pack. Um, but no one else closed ground. If you go back and look at the chart, one, two, three, four was essentially ended up finishing two, three, four, five, right? And so you had one horse who was six who was able to close ground. No one else was able to do it. First off, the layoff, like it, I can give a pass to Devmani here. Rosario gets aboard, so you, you would believe that that's going to be your better Chad Brown horse of the two between Sacred Life and and uh, Devmani. So I, I'm going to put the three on top. I'm not overly excited about it. This is one of those situations where if I played that heavy ticket, I wouldn't be singling three. I would single my second or third choice because of prices versus singling my top pick in this case because I wouldn't want to go four chalk single. And I don't think that the the price is correct on this horse compared to everyone else in the, in the other legs. I, you know, I was a little surprised he was show that wow so short at five to two. I thought that he might be uh, you know closer to four to one. Um, maybe come post time, he will be, maybe sacred life's going to take a lot of money. I use both the Chad Browns defensively. I didn't, again, really not excited about it. If you couldn't tell from the way I introduced the race, but, uh, first of all, you laid out good reason why Devamani should bounce back from that Tampa Bay stakes for me that by the way, he almost won that race. He missed by a nose in the Tampa Bay stakes two years ago. So it's not like he hates Tampa Bay downs. So you couldn't use that excuse. Um, but you have a, you know, Rosario's getting back aboard Rosario's, you know, aboard for the only, horses only win. Uh, since Chad Brown got him, but you know, four seconds, two thirds, he runs, he rides him very consistently well. So uh, you got to like the Rosario's getting back aboard with Sacred Life. You know, he's five for nine at this distance. He's getting Florent Giroux aboard, which people like to shit on Florent, but he's ten for thirty nine at the meet coming into today. So it's not like Florent is a shit rider um, all the time, at least. Uh, but he's going to be riding for Chad on the turf of what could be, you know, if not the most talented horse, maybe the second or third most talented horse in this field. So again, a defensive use for me. Did you same thing for you with Sacred Life? Um, I ended up putting Sacred Life on the $2 ticket. I did not include Sacred Life on the $5 ticket. Um, this this would have been my fourth horse in um, in this race. And I, I'm less willing to make excuses for Sacred Life than I have for Devani, to be honest with you. Just because this horse just consistently runs, hits the board, but doesn't seem to like to win very much. It's just one of those horses that I'm not all that interested in coming from off the pace. Um, if you want to cut Sacred Life, I wouldn't talk you off cutting Sacred Life off tickets. Uh, both of them uh, much older. Sacred Life is now seven and Devamani eight. And uh, it's an interesting question that Mark asked about Father Time affecting those two horses with their late kick. Uh, you know, 
we'll see. I'll give it one more effort, but Mike already explained kind of like Tampa Bay, the stakes didn't really set up for him so well with that one. And, and Sacred Life closed well in the Pegasus World Cup turf, and now you're getting him in both second off of the layoff. Well, let's talk about the other horse that we both really like here. For me, it was my top pick in the race, the number nine, Santine. Um, you talked about a Mike, very bad morning line for the fairgrounds. Stakes last time out, has a troubled trip, has to split between horses, still almost catches Cavalry Charge in an oddly run race where Cavalry Charge kind of went gate to wire. The other pace horses all fell apart here. Those pace horses are all back, uh, and Santine is, you know, hopefully he can get a little bit better trip, uh, trip against him. Yeah, I mean, look, it can't be much worse considering how bad poorly it went there. I mean, he was six, seven wide. He was like giving high fives in the rail uh, going by in the lane the second time. He struggled changing leads. I mean, it was just it was a mess for this horse coming down the lane. I, you're, you'd expect a much better effort here second off. This horse, I mean, I don't know. This horse barely got uh, – it's, it's really lightly raced. So this is only going to be second off the layoff here. Second time out as a four-year-old. I, I really like Walsh as a trainer in this spot. You get Gaffleone, who rode the horse fairly well last time, just kind of didn't get the trip that we were looking for. I think you're going to see a much better trip today. I, I, I mean, I think it's all systems go here for the nine. What do you think the price is on this nine horse? Because last time the, the 12-to-1 morning line and the horse takes a ton of money, gets bet down as a $2.70 favorite, do you think – we're going to take a ton of money into two Chad Browns here. I think uh, seven, two, three to one. I think he's actually pretty fairly spotted with that seven to two price there because of the two Chad Browns. I think sacred life might take some additional money, but um, yeah, it's uh, what do you think? That's what my guess is. Yeah. I, I would hope we're getting three to one. I mean, that's fair odds is probably three to one range somewhere in that range. Um, and this honestly, like, I would probably use the nine or the five as my my press ticket horse, right? And we'll talk about the five in a second here. It's the other one that I ended up using. Um, I'm going to use the three and the nine on the $5 ticket. If I was playing a cold, like $50 pick four, though, it would probably be the nine or the five um, just to try and create a ton of value through this leg. All right, so we uh, we diverge now because we we like the two, the three, and the nine. They're also the three shortest prices, so whoop fucking do uh, Let's talk about a price <laughs> horse that we would each like in here. Uh, you talked about him, so go ahead with a 540 under for Mike Maker. Yeah, look, this this horse ran about, ran really well two back at Fairgrounds going a mile and 16th, $100,000 stakes race, um, was able to, to sit forwardly placed and then make a nice run. They actually went faster that day than they did going a mile and an eighth last time out in the grade three fairground. Or, and, and the horse was sitting close and just kind of stopped, but so did everyone else. So I'm not going to necessarily hold uh, anything against 40 under for that for because of that. Um I think that you're going to see more pace pressure early from 40 under. Essentially, last time they let Cavalry Charge get in front of them, go 49 and change. I think you're going to see 40 under push this time. It has a faster early time form number. has a faster Equinedge early pace number. The five horse should be faster if he wants to go. I think you're going to see him go this time. I think the five horse gets the turn first. And I think this field is is ripe to be wired. Like, I, I don't see, like... The four and the five are, are, are your only two real speed horses. You can argue two Emmys also wants to be up front, but two Emmys has only one on the lead when they were just crawling. So I don't see the eight getting the lead. It's really the four or the five. If I'm Mitch Merle here, if I'm Mike Maker here, I'm getting the lead going into the first turn and then facing Cavalry Charge try and pass me. So the five was a horse I'd looked at and I was like, yeah, I ended up backing off again. Yeah, I'll put him on. My ticket's cheap enough. I'll add the five there. Uh, a horse that I liked in the fairground stakes had been improving and then just completely kind of in that one. So uh, a little bit better trip, hopefully, uh, you know, 40 under, closer trip. We kind of had the same idea why you went with the, the 540 under and why I kind of liked him and ultimately why the other horse I use is the one, thank God Nick and I are finally on, 
a horse together. This never happens. Two Emmys, the eight horse. I've never, ever, ever liked this horse. I don't think I've ever once liked this horse. And I think it's time, Mike, to stop disrespecting two Emmys. If you scratch off the really? fairground stakes. I do. I do. I'm finally really? done with it. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Scratch out the fairground stakes last time out. Uh, this is a horse that likes to go to the lead. Cavalry charge was inside of him and is going to be inside of him again here uh, along with 40 under. But if he can get to the lead, if he can somehow sneak up there, uh, last time he broke from post 11, it was a lot farther for him to try and get over when you had cavalry charge breaking from the rails. So uh, a little bit easier for cavalry charge than it was for two Emmys. Uh, still, again, those ho the horse can be drawn inside of him. But if you go all the way back to this same race last year when he was second to Colonel Liam, who was coming off of winning the Pegasus World Cup, uh, turf there's no race on his form that doesn't make him a logical pick here he lost to 40 under narrowly uh going to mile the 16th at fairgrounds and colonel bradley uh he won the mr d walking the dog and, and beating domestic spending pissed us all off a lot almost yep. wins the grade three sycamore at keeneland i mean this horse has got uh, very strong numbers strong form it's not like the mr d was a fluke if you can look before and look after and go all right, I guess this horse is good. He's by English Channel. He's six. We know English Channels get better as they get older. So I'm going to use him because 15 to one, this is the best price he's been since the Mr. D that he won at 27 to one. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I don't want to call him a fluke because this is a pretty consistent horse. It, it reminds me of uh, that horse in New York that needs the lead to win, that wins a grade one every year. Um, channel maker, cat, yeah, cat maker. Cat? If you don't, I know Channel Maker, I think it is. Who, who, well, why are the field once a year in a race like yes. this going, you know, that's going too far? I just don't, I think, I think either Cavalry Charger 40 under will be faster. I think one of the two is going to be quicker than two Emmys. And I think two Emmys needs to lead to win this race. I just don't see him passing anyone. That's my biggest issue. My biggest issue with Mark's comment, Mark, it's not a funeral when he's 15 to one. It was a well, funeral when he was the five to two favorite. It was the funeral when he was the three to one second to choice. It's not a funeral when he's 15 to one. That's just taking a, a swing at a solid price horse. That's what that is. What happened last race? I don't know, but I also don't think they would have brought him right back if anything had gone wrong. I think it, they just chalked it up as like, mm. yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think for both two Emmys and 40 under the two horses we're both using, you're throwing the last race out. You're saying yep. that, that, that for some reason we just stopped there and you have good races over the track at the distance. Like there's a bunch of different things you can point to, and you just gotta kind of draw a line through the last. Uh, Mark says he thought lost form. He he just missed a forty under. You scratch out. I'm telling you, if you scratch out that fairgrounds Oaks, man. It doesn't look bad. Hey, we'll find out what happens. Mark could very well be right and uh, a little crazy for finally getting on the two Emmys train. Well past <laughs> the time I should have gone there. Uh, let's move on, Mike. We've got two races left to talk about, including the Fairground Oaks. This is the penultimate leg of the late pick four sequence Saturday, March 26th at Fairgrounds. This is race 11 on the card. It's a Kentucky Oaks prep race worth 100 points to the winner, 42nd, 23rd, 10 to 4th. They might as well just rename this the Echo Zulu Stakes afterwards, right? Because she's 3 to 5 on the rail, fastest horse, best horse. She's going to win for fun, right? Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the numbers. <laughs> No, like I, I wish. Look, this is a hard race to talk about. We call, no. This is this is one of those things we talk about. Like you go into a race wanting to beat a horse. I went into this race wanting to beat Echo Zulu. I don't want to pick Echo Zulu here. I don't want to pick a horse that's three to five. It's going to go off at one to five. That's not fun. It doesn't help the payouts. Like, but who is the second best horse? Well, according to the Morning Line Mayor, it's Hidden Connection. Hidden Connection ain't beating Echo Zulu. Like I'm sorry. Like it's just it, so you you really got to decide how can I get creative here because like are we going to use barna breeze or burna breezy and we're going to try and find a way to, to talk that horse up we're going to turn her loose I, I i personally have no interest in even though 
I realize she's won here. Um, I, like it, to me, you're really you're making kind of a crazy case if you're trying to beat Echo Zulu. And I, I'm all for trying to beat horses, but sometimes this is like my lesson of the day. Sometimes you got to eat the chalk, and this is another st- like I just don't see how you get around Echo Zulu here. You are so it's no shot at you, but you are just so chalk heavy today when you're not usually that I'm getting a little worried. It's just going to be bombs away at Fairgrounds on, on Saturday uh, because it's so bizarre. That, But you're right. This is a very chalky sequence. Uh, of course, I put Echo Zulu on top, but I'm only playing one ticket for a dollar. Um, it's going to give me a chance to spread a little bit more. What happens if Echo Zulu, who first time as a three year old, yeah. Hasn't raced since uh, November, so it's going to be uh, four, almost five months. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, four and a half months, we'll say. She's been off. Okay. Um, has never broken from the rail before. That's something oh. that horses kind of have to struggle with uh, mm-hmm. or, or kind of have to go through, and sometimes they struggle. What happens if Echo Zulu, for whatever reason, doesn't hit the brake? We have no idea what's going to happen with this horse. She's never been less than a, a half length behind the leader, and that was only once when she was debuting uh, if she gets behind horses and has to take dirt going into that first turn, it's over for her. I, I think you have to, at that point, rip your tickets up because you have no idea what she's going to be able to do. At what she's one to nine, one one to five at best in this field. And I'm going to use hidden connection as well because if Echo Zulu doesn't win, it's because she didn't get the lead. If she doesn't get the lead, I think it's hidden connection that does it. Uh, she's by connect. Who's a son of curling curling horses always get better as they get older. It's going to be her second start at three. And I forgive her for the Rachel Alexander because a, she was a little hindered by the Lecrate issue, but also uh, she had the, um, the, the really uh, unfortunate issue with being drawn all the way outside post 11 with that short run to the first turn. So she had to burn some extra speed, but again, you hear what I'm doing. I'm making and really trying to build a case for why Echo Zulu doesn't win when really by all intents and purposes, if she breaks cleanly, it's over. Yeah. I mean, any three to five shot that breaks into the rail and falls over has a, doesn't, doesn't have a great chance of winning. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> essentially what your argument here is, is that yeah. the, the one doesn't break four horses get in front of her. She kicks, gets a bunch of kickback and she hates it. And then she loses, right? Like, okay. Like, yeah, there you go. You, you Comment of the year right there. <laughs> magic, magic is going to go to the pet store and buy a bunch of turtles and put them on the track or something. And just put them in front of the one post to try and get her to slip. Like, I, it, Look, you look at the if you look at the PPs, Hidden Connection is the only horse that really has a logical chance to beat her. You're right, breaking out of the 11 post last time, and then trying to make the lead, and actually making the lead made it very tough on Hidden Connection. And then on top of that, you have everything that happened with the one horse in that race. And on top of that, you go two back. She completely misses the break at the Breeders' Cups. So you, you could make excuses for Hidden Connection to make the argument that she can stay close to Echo Zulu. Echo Zulu could miss the break in this race and still win if she's properly tuned up. And by the way, she's never lost. She's won off the layoff before. She's yeah. broken in the middle of fields, outside of fields. Like, yeah, maybe the rail causes an issue, but it's not like there's – and this is the difference. If there's 11 horses in this field, we can talk, okay? But there's six, and she's clearly the best. That makes it a lot harder to go against her. I like this idea from Chris. If you want to get a little nuts, uh, if you think this is the spot to go against Echo Zulu – do an all but Zulu play in this spot. It's only as Mike's saying with eleven horses, that's hard to do. That's ten bullets. Here it's five. It's, it's literally half. So uh, not the. I mean, not the craziest thing because this will be the shortest price horse on the card easily. And there's at least one question mark with the layoff that you have to at least ponder. If you're pondering it strongly, by all means, take a shot against. Uh, let's move on, Mike. We have one last slide to talk about, and that is the ultimate or lag the Grade Two Louisiana Derby million dollar purse. 
nine Colts going a mile and three sixteenths, the longest Kentucky Derby prep uh, of the tied with the UAE Derby uh, heading into the mile and a quarter event. Our boy Epicenter, post six, seven to five favorite. Hopefully he runs off the screen and wins this gate to wire. But I went too deep just in case, eh, in case he gets a little bit of crazy pressure here. Uh, you're going to use him on top, but who else do you want to use? Yeah, like again, this is another one where it's tough. Uh, I, I don't. There's there's less pace pressure in this spot than there was last time out, and and so I, I don't see how echoes or how Epicenter doesn't get loose up front. Um, I think Epicenter is going to be awfully tough if he gets loose up front. I'm not using anyone else in this race. Like, I we could get on the Zozo's hype train, which I'm I think we are going to board pretty soon here. Um, but to me, like I look through this. Pioneer Medina is probably the eighth best baffer, at least was supposed to be the eighth best baffer. And I, I don't see how that horse is going to take a step up. Galt. You mean Pletcher? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Eighth best Pletcher. I got Baffert, Baffert on, the on the brain, sir. Freaking news, man. He's in, in my head. He's <laughs> renting out some space up there. Um, it's like, like I, I don't see Pioneer Medina being able to get the job done. And then we talk about Galt. Like, Galt could be pace pressure, but I'm not sure that Galt is going to necessarily be able to get the job done in the long term. I have no interest in rattle and roll. No interest in Kenny McPeak under 15 to 1 for me. Three year old, like not not even a little bit. Um, curly tail, Capuana, no thanks. So then we're down to the inside three. I have no idea how silent power wins. So then it's Zozos or Call Me Midnight. Call Me Midnight obviously has beaten Epicenter before. But I, I, that was with a ton of pace pressure, and Epicenter didn't really see Call Me Midnight, and Epicenter got better last race, and so Call Me Midnight would have to take a big step forward and hope Epicenter doesn't improve. So then it's just Zozos. You want to make the case for Zozos since I think you're on the hype train? I mean, I can try. I also was looking to see. I was like, does Kenny McPeak actually win? Um, has he actually done, won anything with three-year-olds this year? Uh, and the answer is just tis the bomb. <laughs> In the Battaglia Memorial, which he won by a neck. So nothing uh, on the dirt. Nothing. Well, I okay. Do you want to count Dash Attack on January 1st in the Smarty Jones? Technically, that happened this year. No. Um, but he's <laughs> run two complete shit races since then. So, uh, well, one shit race in the Southwest. I guess the Rebel wasn't a complete shit. But, oh, wait. Yes, it was. Uh, anyways, my point is Kenny McPeak. Yeah, you, this is not. Oof, this is like almost Dale Roman's level. And I, I'm so sorry to say that because I like Kenny McPeak. But uh, let's talk about Zozos for a little bit. Again, this is me making a case for if the big favorite with Rosario and Asmussen God, and Winchell, they're going to sweep both of these races. Uh, if for whatever reason he doesn't win, doesn't make the break, whatever happens, he gets sucked into a pace duel. Zozos to me is the most likely winner if Epicenter doesn't get it done. Uh, I think he's, it's because he's the most likely leader. If Epicenter doesn't get the lead, that's maybe how he loses. We don't know. I'm convinced that Epicenter can stock, but we don't know if he can. If Zozo somehow beats him to that first turn, if Florent Drew said, looks and is like, this is the one way we beat him, I quarter horse the shit out of Zozos to get that lead going the first turn. Um, he is by Munnings. You'd be like, well, you know, we talked about with Olympiad. There's concerns about the distance uh, if he's by Spitestown. Well, Munnings also by Spitestown. Above average dirt sire uh, going dirt routes, 15%. The dam sire forestry, he was best at one turn. But if you, I actually looked at the dam's career, five of her nine career wins came while going two turns. And if you keep looking further into her family, there's a lot of like nine, 10 furlong pedigree really built in there. So I think this horse has really sneaky pedigree built underneath that honestly I wouldn't have found if I looked for it. Now, all that being said, if Epicenter gets the lead and gets an easy lead going in that first turn, it's going to be like six, two across the line. It's six and then like gap and then two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, 
You're correct. And Zozos is the logical horse that could take a step forward. I mean, this is third start, so the most... This the is most so boring, you can't even fight the horses that you didn't use. <laughs> well, I mean, look... This is so boring. You know what's the problem with Zozos? The freaking horse is going to go off at 3-1. to one. I'm not even yes, kidding. There's, I, I, I have no idea why he's 8-1 to one on this morning it's, line. It, Zozos is going to get hammered because it's the, the only real horse that you can make a wise guy case for that's going to take a huge step forward and people are going to try and fade Epicenter and all this jazz. The horse is going to get hammered. Like eight to one, fine. But if you go off at three to one, seven to two, like there's a ridiculous, ridiculous overland what this horse should be. It should be eight to 10 to one, somewhere in that range, because he's going, Zozo's going to need to take a step forward against the best horses he's ever faced to be able to be competitive with Epicenter. So, uh, man, it's just, it's tough. Um, we had someone in here asking about uh, the five here, Capuna. Uh, Capuna, I don't like Cyberknife. And I don't, I'm not a big Stravia fan. So the, the two horses that finished in front and behind him, I'm not a huge fan of. So I think it would take a massive effort here for the five to, to take a huge step forward. Um, love me some Ray Goot, but uh, yeah, not not a huge fan of the horse. <laughs> I was, for a split second, I was like, pasta sauce? Ray, Ray no. Gutierrez. Yeah, man. Ray Gutierrez, it's my boy, man. He got me in NHC <laughs> last year. Um, uh, Nick wants to know who's riding Midnight Bourbon. Jose Ortiz is riding Midnight Bourbon. I was actually looking at that. Uh, it's interesting. Flavian Pratt going to ride Hot Rod Charlie over country. Got a broken left hind foot grammar. Um, I still can't believe that horse is going to run. Did you see that clip, by the way? I know we're off on no. a tangent there. But, yeah, country grammar. It's been deleted because uh, they caught video of somebody posted country grammar. He was about to take off when he was just kind of get after a routine gallop. And you see the like the left hind like stiffen up, and the jockey immediately pulls up, and the horse is like pulled, and it has like a stiff walk, and then like a, yeah, everybody was like, oh my god, passing it around, and like a day later, the tweet got deleted. Hmm. Don't don't play country great. grammar in the Dubai World Cup is my point. Flavian yeah. Pratt jumped off. You're getting Frankie de Tori, and the only jumping he'll do is when he jumps off, you know, because the horse is, yeah. Anyways, not sure how's going with that. So because this is so chalky and really there's not that many arguments to be made in this wonderful day of racing from fairgrounds, uh, we're going to look at a couple other prices. Maddie, do you want to kick it yes, off or do yes. you want me to kick it off? Uh, you go ahead and kick it off. I'll queue it up. Tell me what race we're going to. Let's head to race number four. Thank we're God it's talk. not the same one I did. All right. <laughs> no, that's, that's one of my two. We're going to talk about one of my two favorite trainers who I think, or one of my favorite trainers, not two, but one of my favorite trainers who I don't, doesn't think get enough love. That's Sherry DeVoe. Uh, Greg Cox. Damn. No, she trains two in this race. Uh, she's got both the eight and the 10, who I think are both pretty live. But let's talk about the eight here. Um, the eight treasure of war, I think, is absolutely live at eight to one. This is a horse that I'm going to be using in everything and probably have a couple press tickets through. Um, this is second start first off a layoff, but it's second start in the career. The first race is actually pretty good. Um, had Deccan Carroll aboard gets Biscuitza this time. Adds blinkers. Uh, the last race was as a two-year-old. This is his first as a three-year-old career. Well, there was a next-out winner in that race. You also had another horse in this race. The 10 horse was also out of the DeVoe barn in that race as well. That horse ran well, um, but ended up getting out-kicked late in the race. If you go back and you watch the replay, Treasure of War had an awful start. It's a slow start. The horse had an awful start, was stuck to the inside, then tried to swing wide, ends up five or six wide down the lane. It's kind of swerving left and right, clearly green, can't make up any ground at all. Just kind of stays in place there. This is a horse I think is going to take a big time step forward out of that race. The third place, fourth place winner and the ninth place horse all came back to win. So you've got four next out winners in this race where the eight and the 10 are coming out of. So the eight and the 10 to me are the two standouts here, both DeVoe horses. I like the eight treasure of war more at eight to one, but I will also be using the 10 at seven to two. 
Well, you can project improve, more improvement from the eight, right? Because she's going to be adding blinkers to the horse after that race. It was the first start, so you can be more forgiving of that. Whereas the 10, that was the second start. Uh, 10 also was breaking from the rail that race. Uh, it's going to be stuck out here in post 10 without any scratches. So it's going to be a tougher trip for the 10 in this spot. Uh, the eight broke from post three, so not, you know, it would be benefiting her so much there. But I don't mind that. I'm just, that 10, if she was drawn in farther, I might be like, watch out, because that horse looks really good. And Mark, Mark sounds like he's on the 10 as well. I look, I, I like both these DeVoe horses. I'm gravitating toward the price. I actually like the fact that we're adding blinkers. I think that's going to show the horses a little more focused in the race. Um, so, I, But I, I wouldn't make an argument to say that playing the 10 isn't great either. I'm just going to gravitate toward the bigger price with the horse who I think has a little bit more upside. Uh, Jason, going back to Country Grammar, says, wasn't it the trainer that posted the video saying how great the horse looked? Well, Bob Baffert's the trainer, and Bob Baffert famously doesn't know how to use Twitter. You can go look at his Twitter account uh, to see that. He searches for his own name, and it posts as a tweet. No, it was Michael Adelson, who is the like media czar for like Dubai World Cup. Uh, he's great for all the coverage, which is why it was funny that he let that thing sit out there. for. I think with the time zone difference, I think he went to sleep and didn't realize uh, the shitstorm he'd accidentally started. Uh, Mike likes a horse in race four. Uh, mine is in race six, uh, one that I wanted to talk about, at least the, the main one I want to talk about. Um, that is the Costa Rising Stakes. This is a five and a half furlong turf sprint. What? Is this the other race that you did, Mike? It is. My other horse is in race six. Let's hold on race six then. I'm going to go back. <laughs> We're going to talk about the other, uh, see if I can find it. I think it was race one. Uh, there it is. Yes. There. Okay. Race one, we've got uh, three-year-old fillies going six furlongs. Uh, to start the race here. Uh, it, and it's a pretty evenly mixed. You've got a three to one favorite, Bell Rebel for Asmussen Rosario. Georgetown Road has got some experience. I just missed it a half length over this course and distance last out, seven to two. I like the horse that's in between. That's the four violent outburst, who's by what sire, Mike? Violence. Perfect. Violence, we know, loves uh, the horses love to win early. Uh, this is still early in the three year old season for her. Uh, fires a bullet from the gate in 47 and three over wet dirt. It's supposed to be dry, uh, but I love the fact that Tom Amos, after what he likes to do, he'll keep the horses at Delta Downs training until they're ready to come over to fairgrounds for their debut. Uh, that bullet work and her one try at fairgrounds, I'm like, I think she's ready to go. Amos has two horses in here. He puts Mitch Merle on the other one, which is the six exactitude in Ohio bred. Interestingly enough, he puts his top jockey, Jimmy Graham, on. They're 25% uh, together uh, at the meet. 16% first-time starters for Tom Amos. I think this horse, a 5-1, to one, because she doesn't have experience, I think the 3 is going to take a lot of money, deservingly so, but I think the 4 is going to be a square price there, at least at 5-1 to one. within this field. Uh, feels like a great one to go with. I agree with you. This is a must-use horse for me. So I, I think that the four horse is absolutely one you got to use. Amos, very good first out. Um, I, the, the one, four and six have worked together the last three times. Uh, the six actually outworked the four two back. But the fact that that uh, we're getting James Graham on the four, I think, tips the hand of Amos uh, versus Mitch Merle. I wouldn't say I'd like if you're going to go deep in this race, I would be using both of them. But if you're going to go shorter, I think the four is the one to use. I have the four currently as my second pick in this race. It looks like actually, if you look at the, the dates, all line distances all line up exactly between the four yep. and the six and the four, maybe slightly faster. But again, the fact knowing that the fact that Graham is on the four gives me a lot more confidence there. But the six, not bad. I think the six would be nicer if it was going to be muddier there. But again, the four had that really nice work in the mud, too. So uh, that's all right. Sorry, well, one here, too. Just just real quick. Yeah. Uh, I think the seven is sneaky in this race as well. Speaking of change, 10 to one gets Gabe Sai as a board. 
the workouts are gangbusters when they ask this horse specifically the 30 the only time this horse works three furlongs goes 35 and three one of 19 on that day has good gate works and i realize a small sample size we're two of seven first time starters for michelle lobo 16 97 cent roi massive roi she's pretty hot at this meet nine for 38 right now um i wouldn't be shocked if speaking of change has a little uh little giddy up in the, in the hitch for this first start and it is in the running there at a price 10 uh 10 first time starters too uh for the sire i mean of this field seven fillies uh seven of the eight fillies are new the only one with experience is the three so uh a lot of crazy shit happens when these horses uh have debuts that's a great one and michelle lovell and you talked about small sample size for first time starters but dirt sprints that's her game 25 percent sprinting 24 percent on the dirt with healthy rois there so uh not a bad one all right, let's go see. I honestly don't know who you're going to talk about. Let's go to it was race eight, correct? It was. And I'm both my top two picks are both eight to one, and I know your horse is. And eight we to both one. have an, an eight to nope. That's so I'm, I'm interested to see what direction you go here because I, I thought that there were two, maybe three race ways you could go in this race uh, to, to try and find a price. I thought it was one of the more wide open races. Sorry, it's an eight to one in race six. My own numbers are throwing me off, and there are uh, four eight to ones here, so I've got a twenty-five percent shot. Uh, let's see, was it the eight? Uh, a song for Arch. It is awesome. All right, uh, I'll I'll talk about him real quick. And Did we really uh, end up on that? We picked. We're supposed to pick one horse. We ended up on the same horse. Yeah. Oh damn! Uh, saw, the number eight, a song for Arch, is my is my other yeah, yeah long shot. That's mine. That's mine. My top pick. <laughs> uh, you know what? Unbelievable. I'll give you the honors then. No, no, no. By all means, tell me more about why I should love this eight. All right. So he's got that 84 career high turf buyer, right? He does it back to back. So we prove that it's not a fluke. It comes after he has a barn change. So again, we can say not a fluke in that sense. Um, it's also the third highest turf buyer in this entire field. The only horses who have a higher one are going to be Classy John and X-Clown. Neither of them have hit 84 this year. We've had that from a song for Arch again twice. And if you scratch out that last effort, when he had to break from the rail, he got stuck behind traffic, never really had a chance to go when he was asked. Uh, his form looks really nice. A slight improvement, just the slightest improvement from those 84 buyers is good enough because these are Louisiana breads. They're sprinting five and a half furlongs in turf sprint. And we know with turf sprints that the trip is everything. So I think being drawn a lot farther out here is good for him. He's nine for 16 on the board on the fairgrounds turf. A win in a second for the trainer in three starts. So that's pretty good. And on top of that, we're upgrading to the Biscuit, who's got more wins at the meet than Pedroza, who he's replacing, and is six stars with the horse. He's got two wins, a second, and two-thirds. Did I miss anything? No. I, I, look, this is, this is a horse that you're going to get value in because of the last race. It's really that simple. I mean, we talk about how if you're, you're willing to get around races, you can find value. Just draw a line through that last race, and they're like, he beat most of those horses. He was 3-1 to one in that spot. Now you're getting 8-1 to one on, on uh, today. I think that's, that's a, a little crazy. So I, I agree with everything you said. I think that they additionally should trip out. I mean, there's enough speed that he should be able to sit right behind that first flight of speed probably third, fourth, fifth place, and then get first run around the turn. You got a long stretch to make up the ground, successful at the course, successful at the distance. Like it makes a ton of sense here. I think eight to one is a very generous price. The other horse I added eight to one is a must use just to, to give everyone that that second horse here, the 12 horse Yankee seven, I think um, is really interesting. This horse is only turf sprinted six times in his career. It'll be the seventh time. Um, three of those were over the fairgrounds turf. This is something I often look for. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to mention this horse. I'm a, I look at buyers, look at DRF a lot of times. I look at Equinage. I look at time form. So I have a couple of different things I look at. When you have numbers that are, you, you see a set of races that are on turf and you have numbers that are uh, on dirt or synthetic around it. And you can tell that the turf numbers are significantly better. 
that horse wants turf. It's a dead giveaway. It seems really like just you should know this, but it seems common sensey. But like it, it really is that simple. And when you go back and you look at, okay, let's look at these turf sprints. You know, the buyers at the fairgrounds were 77, 74, 77, and the dirt buyers around it are 75, 64, 46, 70. Clearly, this horse wants to be on turf. I'm not sure why we weren't. And then you see the horse improve, right? So the last two starts before its most recent turf start were both 80 buyers. So to run it in an 87 on turf sprinting means that 87 is pretty logical. If it's running an 80 on dirt, it's going to be better on turf. And so if we can go back to that 87 or anything close to it, the 12 is awfully dangerous here. And I don't mind the 12 hole in a turf sprint because you can get tactical position. you got a longer run into the turn. And it's just a one-turn race. It's okay to lose some ground in a turf sprint. So for me, I think the 12 is awfully live at 8-1 uh, at to one as well. Uh, Yankee Gentleman is a sire above average on the turf, 14% in turf sprints and uh, 15% in turf routes. So uh, definitely a horse that, uh, or at least pedigree-wise, it, it looks a little sneaky. And you hear that, and like with Mike, you're like, well, it's a war front. Damn, why, why the hell is this horse not on turf more often? Uh, I mean, career I know it rains buyer, a bit down there, but career best buyer turf sprinting two of the top, or if you take out like the, the horse has gotten better, just gotten older. So it's tough to say, okay, so those two eighties kind of skew it. But if you take out the two eighties, if you take out this year, three of its top four buyers are all on turf going into this year. So it, like, clearly this horse wants to be on turf. Not sure why we haven't been on it more. The price again, I think is right. I don't think this is an overly difficult race. So hopefully we can get one of those two home. Uh, Mark mentioning here, off a little bit here. He likes the two and the three on top. I actually looked at both of those horses. I thought this is a pretty wide open race. Um, but I, I look, those are the two that ran one, two last time. I'm going to try and see if we can get someone around. I mean, like the Yankee seven beat the three, two back, although that was over dirt. I'm going to make the case. It's a better turf horse. A song for Arch also beat the three, three back. Uh, so I, to me, I'm going to try and take a little bit bigger price. I think that uh, the, the currency bias, how current though that last race was, is why the two and the three are going to get hammered. Uh, the trainer, Jerry DeLome, if that sounds familiar, is, uh, I think it's his brother, Jake. I think Jake's his brother. But, uh, yeah, he's the owner of Set Hut LLC. Yeah, Jake the Snake. Well, you know, been living in Carolina. Well, no, you didn't live in Carolina when he was playing. That was a long no. time ago. Man, he'd love to turn the ball over, though. <laughs> uh, but the point is with this uh, with this horse is uh, the two uh, turf uh, meets, uh, two turf starts this meet, a win, and then just missing to a song for Arch, who we both really like. Uh, by a length, and then uh, Jerry Delome. If you scratch off that sloppy race when he finished fourth, Jerry Delome is four for eight at the meet as a trainer, so uh, pretty solid odds. Uh, listen, I they're both logical uses here. I think you can definitely use two, three, but the, you know, Mark, the question wasn't which nine to two shot do you like at fairgrounds on Saturday? It was which one <laughs> shot do you, I'm, I'm giving you shit, buddy. No, that's those are definitely good horses to use. Uh, who was the other one he said was this uh, four seven? Half again in, in Birdie's Gateway. So let's talk. Seven is the favorite. Let's talk about the four half again, real quick. I mean, I think you can make a case for the four. You've got you've got some races where this horse is good enough that the turf is the big question mark. Um, I, I'm not positive that this horse wants to be turf sprinting. Although the Tomlinson number is pretty good. Uh, probably your most most likely your one of your pace presence. Uh, maybe even gets the lead here. And I think if if the four can get the lead, that's what would make it dangerous. So the four and the seven are both for a uh, high percentage trainer round for show. He's 26%. And I think he wins the trainer title quite often down at fairgrounds and def is the defending title uh, holder right now. The, the question for both of them will be what can they handle on, or can they handle the turf? Birdie's Galaxy did get a win with an 82 buyer, but mostly he's been running on the dirt. So uh, both of them have a lot of speed. They both come from the same barn. So I also can understand uh, if you're not in love with the four, but you see that Alpha you know, show's got two in here and the horse just went 47 and two. If that dirt speed translates to the turf, half again could be gone, Mike. 
Yeah, I mean, I would almost argue the Great Galaxy is the faster horse, the seven. Um, it, it definitely shown more speed, at least in the last races and, and on the dirt. The question, like you said, is the turf, though. I mean, has one turf win um, back at Louisiana Downs going five furlongs, was able to just get up in the, the last few strides. That was a $17,000 N2X. Faced uh, a little bit weaker and actually lost to a song for Arch and Yankee 7, as well as X-Clown uh, on January 10th, 2021. So uh, has done okay here my big question is why is this like why is the seven on the turf like I, I don't i i will be interested to see if this horse ends up scratching out if it doesn't rain off because i wouldn't be shocked if the seven is the we want to be the sloppy horse right um because the seven is just absolutely crushed on the dirt and stakes races at this level well it's my my guess is that because this is the the, the feature day for fairgrounds and the, like, huge louisiana bread stakes all over the place this is the only mm-hmm. sprint for Louisiana breads. So yeah. it could be that we're just taking a shot, which if that's the case, you know, maybe take a little bit of a tepid approach at seven to two there. But yeah, we were right. Mark says connections and pace as well. And you can like the, the two, again, the two and the three, there's nothing to dislike about those uh, one iota. Well, it's, it's interesting. We're going through this to do this exercise. I, I wasn't shocked at all. You picked a horse from this race. This race is it's wide open. It like you, you can, you can make a lot of cases for a lot of horse in this one. Unlike the last ones, which we're going to chalk out. This is a good race to talk about because you could logically make a case for eight or nine horses in this spot. That's going to have episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through the fairground Saturday late pick four. It's all grade two stakes. A lot of fun. Uh, if you guys are able to join us on Saturday, uh, the Racing Dudes team will be doing a live coverage of at least the late pick four, uh, if not before that. So make sure you tune in. We'll be live on the YouTube channel. It's always a lot of fun. We interact with you guys, uh, make some bets. We do some live pick four drafts. It, it's always a great time. So make sure you tune into that one. Uh, Take a look down below. Mike and I have our tickets, and they're a little funky because they're high denominations, but uh, we'll go through anyways. I'll start off for a dollar. I'm going to single the one and then go two, three, five, eight, nine, then one, six, and then two, six. That's $40. And then, Mike, you have a $2 ticket and a $5 ticket. Uh, go ahead and start with the $2 ticket when you are ready. Yeah, I'm going to play a $2 ticket. I'm going to use one, two with three, five, two, three, five, nine with one with six. That'll cost you $16. Then I'm going to play a $5 ticket, two with three, nine with one with six. That'll cost you 20 bucks. It's, it's going to be a chalky sequence. I'm, I'm not going to try and beat the chalky. I'm going to try and pound the chalk. And as you notice, again, with Mike's great idea to talk about the horses that uh, long shots earlier in the race that we are card that we like, this is one of those days where if it seems chalky, actually the prices, you can catch them earlier, especially a turf sprint. Uh, what is a better setup than 12 horses going five for five and a half furlongs on the turf? Uh, if you want to catch a price, I mean, that's just, that is a recipe for some bombs away. So uh, try and get those ones in uh, Mike. We're going to cut this little, yeah, we're coming up on three o'clock or six o'clock here. Uh, don't forget folks, the racing dudes.com. We have the inside track to Louisiana Derby wagering guide available right now. So you can go uh, purchase that. If you are a, a premium subscriber to any sort of picks uh, 30 days or longer, you get the, uh, every single one of our guides included. And that's going to be uh, the Arkansas Derby or Florida Derby uh, bluegrass, all of the Derby preps that are coming up. We're doing guides covering all of those days. So all you got to do is be a premium subscriber to get in on that action. And speaking of getting in on the action here is we, oops, I forgot to take that down. Uh, speaking of getting on the action, Mike, uh, we have a very fun thing that you talked about. You made a nice video about, talk to us about the racing dudes tournament challenge. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped, man. Uh, starting April 1st, if you're a monthly subscriber for the bombs, for the rockets or for the premium picks, uh, we're going to have a, a special private $10 tournament that's exclusive to subscribers. Uh, and we're going to do a live show with it. So I'm pretty excited. That's going to start on April 1st. It's a $10 entry. We'll pay out all the cash uh, via the, the, 
horse journeys prize pool rules. And then Racing Dudes is adding $150 of site credit uh, as well onto it for the winner of the horse journeys tournament. So you get in for 10 bucks, get a chance to play the tournaments. And like I said, we'll be live from five to six on Friday, covering those races, talking about kind of some tournament strategy, who, were, who we picked in there, because all the racing dudes will be competing in that. Uh, so we'll talk about the tournament strategy, why we picked certain horses, kind of how the difference is between pick and pray versus a live format. And then what I'm also excited about is we're going to be using the Friday featured set, which means that it's the exact same tournaments that it takes to qualify for NHC. It's the exact same tournaments it takes to play for 15000 in cash that day. So it gives you the ability to be able to kind of take a peek at it and be like, okay, like, how would I stack up if I had played the NHC qualifier that day? How would I stack up if I played the $15,000 cash that day? Give you a better idea of kind of what it takes and the scores it takes to be able to win those type of tournaments. Uh, it's a lot. Of, it can be a lot of fun. It starts April 1st, like Mike said. It's only available if you're a Racing Dudes Premium subscriber. Uh, we have a video, that again, that Mike put up. If you're uh, on our YouTube channel, just go. To, uh, it's going to be right there at the top uh, of our video list. So I'll go watch that. It's very quick, but it's very informative. Uh, but if you are not a subscriber, you will just see this on our page. If you are a premium subscriber and you're wondering, well, how do I find out every single one of our articles? It is already subscriber. It's going to show up for you. Just click on that. Off you go. Uh, we've already signed up. So there's already money in the pool and there's already guaranteed it's going to go for April 1st. So if you're wondering, are enough people going to care? We are officially having the tournament on April 1st. So we're, <laughs> we're green light, Mike. We're, we're ready to go on that one. I love uh, it. We had some big news come down too from NHC. We, they, oh, they, God. Not surprisingly, they moved it off Super Bowl weekend. God, they haven't figured God. out yet that, that the following year is a Super Bowl weekend in Las Vegas, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, but it's going to be March 10th to the 12th next year. So uh, they might. Vegas, Magic, March 10th to the 12th, 2023. You there? Hell yeah. Let's go. go. Uh, I was trying That's to do the commitment. math in my head. That's Is that opening weekend possibly of the NCAA tournament because they went from the Super Bowl to that? That actually might be. <laughs> <laughs> That was my first thought. I was like, isn't that March? I think that's actually conference, conference tournament. Yeah, I think that's final. conference finals week, which actually is still a lot of fun to be there for. It's a still a great week to be in Vegas. My dad's that's probably be the better time. Less I think. My my dad's gonna be pissed if it's uh, if it's if he can't go then because he loves betting college basketball. Is it okay if he yells at it in, uh, in all caps about it? Is it really okay? Yeah, I don't know. Doctor Tang's worked up today. <laughs> he is. I think Doctor Tang didn't have enough uh, pressing that seven there at the end there. Um, <laughs> uh nick uh listen uh no sorry i'm just kidding uh yeah email aaron i don't know i'm not the person to ask about that uh before we get out of here i'm taking a look chris maiello was here i don't know if he's still here in the chat or not but chris was here earlier chris is still hanging on by 20 points uh in the racing dudes tournament challenge right now but the problem is he had kentucky going all the way so he's kind of kind of stuck a little bit uh and paul Freebeers is in second and he has iowa state going all the way so uh, we'll see about that. Mike, I've actually climbed finally in the top 50% of the group. Uh, Villanova, if they win it all, I can actually probably crack the top 30%. There you go. I actually like Villanova to win it. Well, I don't like them to win it all, but I don't think that's a bad pick. I think that's a that's a, a sneaky, fun one. I think that they're going to have a good shot of covering against Michigan tonight. Michigan's guards are absolutely terrible. Villanova has very, very, very good guards. Um, so I, I have a feeling that uh, Nova's going to cover that one. I'm excited for Duke, Texas Tech. That's going to be a lot of fun. We get Gonzaga kicking it off against Arkansas, too. It's going to be a fun night of hoops. Uh, I disagree with you. I, I, I didn't realize Villanova was playing Michigan as so much I pay attention. Um, yeah, that's – no, fear the, fear the bitch slap from Juwan Howard. That's all <laughs> I got to say. You got to worry about well, that. Well, luckily one. he doesn't play basketball anymore, so they'll be fun. It didn't stop him last time. He just go out there and bitch slap everybody. Yeah, they lost that game. Not take it. <laughs> uh, 
He bitch slapped him afterwards. He realized he bitch slapped him, and then suddenly they started doing better. He's like, if I just bitch slap him beforehand, that's what works out here. Uh, I just want to bring attention to this real quick. Uh, we had a real fun impromptu breaking news. Some people asking about our opinions of the Baffert uh, news. We covered it live, and, and I love the reaction here. Jared put together that perfect uh, picture. If you want to understand what we're reacting to and why that, uh, you know, that guy looks like that, uh, we have this awesome video up on the YouTube channel about the Bob Baffert news. So go check that out. It's available at racingnews.com and at youtube.com slash racing dudes. You can follow Mike and I on Twitter at Curtis Kellowart. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight, corporate overloads at racing underscore dudes. Blinkers off just went live right before us. So go check them out. Download the podcast wherever you find podcasts. Dudes Who Bet Sports was live yesterday. Yep, covering NCAA. So give them a listen. Always a lot of fun. Uh, until Monday when Mike and I are back to talk about Epicenter being the official king of the three year old Colts, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody. We'll see you on Saturday for the live show covering Fairgrounds. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes. First. Get the all-inclusive inside track of the 2022 Louisiana Derby Wagering Guide featuring in-depth analysis of every single stakes on the fairgrounds card, including the $1 million Louisiana Derby, a major prep race for the Kentucky Derby, Win here and you are in. Plus, get race-by-race analysis, betting suggestions, and multi-race plays for the entire card. All wagering guides are included with any monthly subscription to premium picks from the experts at RacingDudes.com. Learn more at RacingDudes.com and remember, never play a big day without visiting the Racing Dudes first.